On today's podcast, we'll be covering all the updates of the last few weeks. We'll look at some injuries and streamers. Plus, we'll talk some all-star snubs and put our fantasy spin on it. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. So before we get into the best of the last week or so, I know people want to hear about, you know, the, the prospects, the, 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 uh, the draft that just happened, and we'll throw some of that in the next week or so. We're going to talk about some uh, fantasy, undrafted fantasy players uh, and, and who are killing it this season. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, we're going to get into the best performances of matchup 13. So the best matchup 13 hitting performance or one of the best was Texas shortstop Corey Seager, who's really turning it on uh, the last couple of weeks. He went 11 for 22. That's a 500 batting average, six runs, four homers and nine RBI. Kind of looking at his uh, stat line here. He's got a 241 Babbitt versus a 324 career Babbitt. So way, way, way low. He has a 245 batting average right now. And he has a 23% line drive rate, which is his highest since 2018. So that's one of those signs for me that like, this is truly unlucky. You know, he's been a 300 hitter before. I don't know if it'll kind of catch up there the rest of the way, but I think he definitely gets closer to that like 270 range at least for the rest of the season as, you know, the BABIP kind of gets back to normal. He has an 11% barrel rate, which is fourth among shortstops, a 45.5% hard hit rate, which is fifth among shortstops. And as far as plate discipline, kind of got a mixed bag he is dealing with some higher called strikes and he has a higher chase rate than normal, but he's improved his contact rate and swinging strike rate. So a little bit of a mixed bag there. I traded for him in two leagues and I'm, I'm happy that I did. So yeah, uh, I like I, what, I think, what he's got the rest of the way. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good candidate to acquire right at this point, uh, especially people who, may have owned Wander Franco or you got injuries, uh, you know, in your utility spot. I mean, there's probably a lot of frustration with owning Corey Seager up until this point. Uh, so you might be able to nab him from whoever owns him currently uh, and then just ride the hot wave for the second half. Yeah, I think you're getting him, if you're trying to trade for him now, you're getting him at a good point before he kind of starts really heating up. Like, you know, he's been getting better through the course of the season. And, and, you know, if you get him now, you're, you're probably not paying too, too much to get him. Mm -hmm. A couple honorable mention hitters from the last week, Atlanta third baseman, Austin Riley, batted 448, six runs, three homers, eight RBI. Chris Bryant, from Colorado, batted 346, six runs, four homers, and five RBI. He's starting to turn it on, too. And then Kyle Schwarber is just killing it this season. Terrible batting average for the season, but 
he has a shot to lead the league in home runs. He's really close to, to judge. He batted 318 in his last matchup with seven runs, five homers, and six RBI. And then our best pitching performance is one of my favorites this season, Miami starting pitcher Sandy Alcantara. He had 15 innings pitched, eight hits, no earned runs, one walk, and 14 Ks. He ended up with two quality starts in his last matchup, one win, a zero ERA, and a .60 whip. So a couple, couple good things, a couple bad things for him. He has a very low strikeout per nine rate. It's the lowest of his career. He's in the sevens. And, you know, ideally with a pitcher that good, you know, usually you would see a high strikeout rate, but he's kind of doing it with a low strikeout rate, which kind of scares me a little bit, mm. but he throws the fastball so, so fast. 97.7 miles per hour is his average fastball velocity, but second behind Garrett Cole. So good, good company to be in. Yeah. Something else that scares me a little bit with, with his ERA is a 239 Babbitt, which is really low. However, he has a super low uh, line drive rate. So I think he can keep his Babbitt low, but I, I don't know if he can keep it that low. So I think there, I think we're going to see some regression to his ERA and XFIP and Sierra both think that too. He's his XFIP is 340 and his Sierra is 350. So they both kind of see like that there's going to be some regression coming. He also has a 5.9% home run to fly ball rate. So the home runs are probably going to catch up to him too. One thing that is really, really good, he has a 56% ground ball rate, which is the second highest behind Framber, who's ground ball rate is insane he has like a negative launch angle it's ridiculous what he does so to kind of be in that company be in the garrett cole company right the the mcclanahan company with era that's a lot of good company to be in for sure. for sandy but i do i do think of of you know all those players i think he regresses more than them in terms of era mm couple honorable mention pitchers from the last matchup Taiwan Walker Cole Irvin and Johnny Cueto were the other pitchers that had two quality starts so kind of interesting names there who picked up a couple quality starts last matchup Shohei Otani seven innings pitch two hits no earned three walks 10 K's and a quality start and a win uh, Corbin Burns lit it up, seven in play, three hits, no earned, one walk, 10 Ks in a quality start, and Max Scherzer, two, six innings pitched, two hits, none earned, no walks, and 11 Ks in a quality start. And so he looks like he's kind of just back on the horse again. And then uh, there were a couple relievers that had three saves, I think are pretty interesting. Baltimore reliever Jorge Lopez, he's not really under the radar. I think, you know, we're, we're kind of, people are, have caught on to him. And same for uh, Pittsburgh reliever David Bednar. I think potentially both of those are going to get traded uh, by the deadline, maybe not Jorge Lopez. 
Uh, but one that surprised me was Miami reliever Tanner Scott. So he had three saves uh, in the last matchup. And I think that's, that's a little bit under the radar of a guy. I picked him up in an NFBC league, maybe two. And I picked him up in a, in like a um, regular, like home league. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because for Tanner Scott to get three saves, that means that the Miami Marlins had to win three games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is not to be expected, but I guess, you know, that they, you know, the staff, uh, you know, keeps them in a game uh, every single day. They got a great, great staff. Yes. And they just called up Max Meyer too. So maybe they can, you know, maybe he can get his, his footing in there and, you know, get his legs underneath him. And, you know, maybe they can get all these guys are hurt back. And Terry Scott might be a really good, uh, really good guy to hold down a stretch. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm curious to see if, if Meyer sticks. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they send him back down. But, uh, We'll see. It sounds like they were they had intended to bring him up earlier before he got hurt, and then they wanted to keep him up during that that call up that never happened. Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do from there on out. I think uh, we also have to um, give a little kudos to Garrett Cole, whose uh, two starts went like this: fourteen innings pitched, eight hits, two earned runs, and twenty three freaking Ks. <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. What what a wild! Uh, I guess maybe we it's something we've come to expect maybe from him, but man, what a dominant week it was for him last week! Incredible. All right, let's get into some important injuries and recoveries. Ouch, baby! Very ouch. So this is kind of typical of of the All Star break, like the week before. Basically, everybody in baseball is day-to-day. So, like, if you see a guy that's day-to-day, don't worry too much. Like, it's just the, you know, formality of the injury designation. And, you know, even even some guys on the IL, we'll talk about a few. It just seems to be kind of like maintenance, you know? Like, they're not really injured, but they're putting them on the IL as a formality you know, get them rest, that, that sort of thing. Like that's, that's sort of what happens during the all-star break. Mm-hmm. So a couple guys who are on the IL here, Boston starting pitcher, Chris sale, he's back on the injured list again with a broken pinky. Okay. And I, I feel like what's going to happen is, and, and this is the same thing that happened with Aaron judge is people are going to be like, Oh, he's brittle. You know, he's, Uh, injury prone this is a freak injury this is a freak injury like this is unpredictable so I it was a comebacker right like you can't I I honestly hope he gets undervalued going forwards like going into next season because people think he's injury prone so that I can get him at great value yeah because I'm not worried about that might be a good uh, trade candidate to acquire if you're out of it and you're trying to build up your staff for next year see if you can go pull chris sale from somebody for cheap stuff uh and then just keep him and then you enter next season with a cheap awesome ace yeah and even still he should be back this season our medical expert uh who is 
a mutual connection of ours, uh, <laughs> said that uh, it's probably like six-ish weeks before he's throwing again. So he could be back this season um, to, to impact some fantasy teams. Another Boston starter, Michael Waka, hit the IL with shoulder inflammation. He shouldn't be gone too long. Trevor Story, Boston second baseman, bruised hand. This just kind of seems like a maintenance thing to me too. I'm not really worried about either of them being on the shelf for very long. Uh, Houston outfielder Jordan Alvarez is on the IL with inflammation in his hand, but the news on Sunday was that he's going to resume hitting or that he resumed hitting then. So this is another one of those players who's probably back sooner rather than later. Uh, Angels outfield, outfielder Mike Trout, he got put on the injured list with ribcage inflammation. Again, seems like they're just getting him rest. Like I, if, what would worry me is if they said like oblique injury, but mm. they're calling it ribcage inflammation. So I'm not like freaking out, you know? Yeah. And he's eligible to return pretty quickly. Um, cause he missed so many games before the all-star break. It was just retroactive. So by the second game after the break, uh, so I think if for them, it might be Saturday. Um, then he's eligible to play again. Might see if anybody got excited about Joe Adele getting called up, we might just see Joe Adele get sent back down after they recall uh, Trout. Very likely, very likely. And then uh, Pittsburgh outfielder Brian Reynolds. So this one is more, more so of a worry to me. He is out with an oblique injury. And oblique injuries are notorious for like, flaring up and you know they're unpredictable they can say like three to four weeks it could turn out to be like six weeks so that's something i would if i'm a brian reynolds owner i would be looking for some some help some outfield help uh looking for a trade there and then tampa shortstop wander franco he has a hamate bone injury in his wrist and uh could require surgery i'm not sure if he if there's any news on that yet if he's getting surgery or if he got surgery he did get surgery okay. uh, a couple of days ago so that okay. was definitively like he went under the knife um and yeah maybe you can get him back for the playoffs in your league but he's pretty much done for the regular season yeah and and we've i remember uh, uh wilson ramos had a handmade injury and it just like totally he came back in the season, but it totally sapped his power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anything like wrist, you know, grip related is going to really be, you know, a, a problem for power. Same thing happened with Cabrian Hayes, who's not already not like a power hitter, but he like didn't do anything when he came back from a wrist injury. So even if, like you said, Wander does come back, I don't know that he's going to be super, super valuable. And productive yeah. for you yeah this this is this is a 2023 outlook now for getting the guy that you wanted this year um another guy i know that had a handmade thing was jose ramirez uh he broke that he came back and again didn't there's no power coming out of the guy when he came back and this was probably like four years ago um but yeah this it's uh it's sad to see i'm a big wander guy yeah i know uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, looks like next year's the, the year. 
And there's a couple players who are either starting rehab or continuing rehab assignments. So we have some updates there. Atlanta second baseman Ozzy Albies says he's hoping to return in mid to late August. So that's good news for him. Houston starting pitcher Lance McCullers, he has a rehab start on Friday. Where, where do you sit on, on McCullers? I am intrigued. Uh, I, I don't think that I would, if I could roster him, I, I would, but I don't think I can right now. Um, just, to, I, it's got a great curveball. I don't know. Watching him throw 19 straight curveballs in the world series in like 2019 or 18, whenever that was, will forever sit with me. Uh, but you know, I, I'd like to see how the rehabs go. Um, and if I could just stash them on my IL to see how, how this goes, it's probably the move. Um, but, uh, if you're limited moves, you're limited roster space, um, say, just keep your eye on him. Um, I think it probably, probably pretty limited when he comes back. So that's one thing to kind of keep in mind, but, uh, I do like Lance McCullers just wondering what version of right. we're going to be getting now. There's a couple other pitchers here who are who are rehabbing or close to rehabbing. Dodgers starter D- Dustin May is rehabbing soon. He doesn't have a date set yet, but you know, good news that he's coming back. Freddie Peralta, he threw batting practice over the weekend. So he's working his way back. They're saying maybe August, an August return for him. And Jacob deGrom is throwing. Batting practice, he had a simulated game pushed back from Tuesday to Thursday, just the team said out of an abundance of caution. <laughs> so I'm going to exclude Jacob. I'm going to exclude DeGrom from this because, of course, you know, we would want to roster him above these other players. Yeah. But let's say you had one IL spot to, to give and you could add Oh, did I say Jesus, Jesus Lizardo? He's coming back too. He started to rehab. So let's say you have one IL spot and you can add McCullers, May, Luzardo, or Peralta. Who are you throwing in there? I'd immediately toss out McCullers and May because I think they'll be treated with kid gloves. Um, but Luzardo and Peralta would be interesting. I would, I might lean more towards Luzardo. Um, it might be probably easy. I don't know who would be easier to acquire. I wonder what the, what the roster trade is. Um, I like both these guys a lot. I think Lazardo would have more innings to throw than Peralta. I think that the I think that the Brewers would probably treat Peralta with a little more, um, yeah, a little more caution. So I'd probably go. I'd lean Lazardo over Peralta. Interesting. I think I would, I think I would probably lean Freddie Peralta, all things considered, like when the, you know, having a, having a, a return date ish, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would eliminate Dustin May just cause I don't know how much we're going to get out of him. Yeah. But I think I would probably lean Freddie Peralta, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I would, it would be 50, 50 between Lazardo and Peralta for me too. Mm. All right, let's talk some streamers for the week ahead. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? So we got uh, 10 teams here, our 10 teams with the worst run differential and my poor 
Washington Nationals are the worst. Uh, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Detroit, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Chicago Cubs, Colorado, Arizona, and the Angels round out the top 10 worst run differentials. And the Angels have stuck as the team with the most strikeouts. I think this has been like maybe five weeks, four or five weeks now that they've kind of overtaken Atlanta. So you've got uh, the Angels, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, the Cubs, Baltimore, Tampa, Cincinnati, Seattle, and Miami are the, the, uh, have the most strikeouts for batters. So the, the teams that kind of uh, like correlate to both, you have the Angels, Pittsburgh, Cubs, and Cincinnati. So those are, if, if you're looking for streamers, those are the four teams that you want to go after. So it, it, we'll, we'll talk about two guys in particular uh, in a moment, but we're recording this episode on Wednesday. There's lots of rotations. Almost every rotation hasn't been set yet. So mm. we, don't, we can't like tell you, you know, uh, stream this guy, stream this guy, because we, we don't know when they're pitching. So all the more reason to follow us on Twitter at Fastball Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Taylor Tarter, T-A-R-T-E-R. And uh, but so we'll we'll give you some streamers there. But here are some teams that are playing against Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, and LA between Thursday and Sunday. And and a few pitchers you might want to look at. So Philly is playing against Chicago in Philly. Kyle Gibson is going Friday and Wheeler is going on Saturday. Wheeler's guaranteed to be rostered in your league. Gibson might be out there in some, mm. but uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, Sunday, sorry, are, is to be determined. So they don't have a starter set for Sunday. St. Louis is at Cincy from Friday through Sunday. All those rotation spots are TBD. Atlanta it has LA, uh, the Angels at home on Friday through Sunday, all TBD, and Miami is at Pittsburgh uh, for the weekend, all TBD. So that's the best we can do right now. <laughs> but we do have two players who we are gonna gonna try to stream over the next couple of days. Yeah, we, we've had such a it's such a light amount of schedulings, right? Uh, that there's two guys that are scheduled currently that got my attention. And normally we try to do this and it's players that are rostered lower than this, these percentages, but um, still there's 20 to 25% of your leagues. These guys are available in. And if you need a stream, uh, these are the two guys that I think you should focus in on. Uh, first guy being John Gray for the Texas Rangers. He is at the Marlins on Thursday. Um, now he's rostered 80% of the league um, of, of most ESPN leagues anyway. <clears throat> and so you probably can't get him, but if you're one of those 20% of the leagues, uh, Miami's awful and John Gray is good. So that just totally makes sense to me. Um, additionally, you've got uh, Drew Rasmussen from the Tampa Bay Rays. He's tossing uh, against the Royals on Friday. He's available in 26% of your leagues. Um, so he's 
he's not a guy who goes very deep into games, unfortunately. Um, but he does put together five good innings most starts. Uh, and the Royals have the fifth worst run differential in baseball. Um, so something to keep in mind there. Uh, this would also free him up, uh, I think, for ne- a good matchup next week. Yes, Seattle next Tuesday, and Seattle is the 11th worst team against righties. So good. If he's out there, he's a good ad for the weekend and into next week. Yeah, and there's these matchups for most leagues, I believe, are really long. It's not just these four days, and then you have a new one. Um, so yeah, it'd be worth it to pick a guy up now, and then you can get two starts out of him in one matchup. Yeah, and and as far as John Gray, you know, a lot of people, uh, me included, kind of like poo-poo him because he's been like very average or even below average basically all of his career. He has mm-hmm. a, a 371 ERA right now, which is decent. He's got the best strikeout per nine rate of his career. He's got 10 strikeouts per nine. He has under, he's below his career average in walks per nine, home runs per nine. He has a 71% left on base rate, which is pretty good. So the defense there is helping him a bit. Uh, He's right around league average on barrel and hard hit rates allowed. Uh, But two really good things. His Sierra is 337. And his ex-fip is 325. Mm. So if he's out there, and I might have to do this, I have a shallow league that he might be available and I have to go check. But I might be adding him once we're done recording this. So because <laughs> that all looks really good to me. And I have Drew Rasmussen in a points league. I think he's definitely more valuable in a league where you have wins versus quality starts like he's almost worthless in quality starts leagues. yeah but uh but yeah really good start for both of them and then again just make sure to follow us on twitter at fastball pod you can follow me at taylor tartar and we'll put out some streamer updates as we get more information from teams so uh we're going to take a quick break here we'll be right back to discuss the fantasy side of some all-star snubs right after a word from our sponsor. So we had the all-star game last night and some of these selections just like totally bewildered me. I, so there we'll do a couple, like a little rapid fire here and we'll, we'll dig into a few more. So for the catcher, the backup catcher in the American league. I don't understand. Like I get, he plays for New York, got a lot of votes, but Jose Trevino should not have been in the all-star game period. Uh, Jonah Heim for Texas should have had his spot. If, you know, people had voted for him more, obviously that, you know, I get that it's all up to voting. This is like ideal, right? This would be the ideal players to to be in instead of these other players so Jonah Heim we did we had a good rundown on him within the last like two or three episodes I love Jonah Heim I have him in multiple leagues he's really solid he's not like the best but he's very good and he's a player I thought should have been in the all-star game I also think 
for the AL infield reserves. I don't understand how Ryan Mountcastle wasn't selected. I don't get it. He should have been in there over Andres Jimenez. Uh, J.D. Martinez was a replacement for Jordan. He was an injury replacement. Ryan Mountcastle should have been that. He should have been designated hitter. He could have been there too. He, he's another player we talked about recently too, so I'm not going to get into him. He's also one of my favorite second half uh, trade targets. You know, he, not like the, the top name guy. So you're not, you're, you're not going to pay the same value that you would for like Pete Alonzo, you know? Yeah. But he should be very, very good the rest of the way. It's crazy how good of a year he's having. I know we've talked about him a couple of different times, but man, so I'm so wrong about Mountcastle going into the season. <laughs> I I had a feeling that he was going to be pretty good. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he's been, and I really, really regret not getting him in more leagues. Yeah, and I've been I've been trying to trade for him in one league, basically for the last like five weeks, and nothing. <laughs> one one player I do want to talk about is St. Louis middle infielder slash outfielder Tommy Edmond, who I think should have been in the National League re- infield reserve role instead of Mets second baseman Jeff McNeil. So a couple of things on Tommy Edmond. He has the sixth most runs. He has the second most steals. But that right there should be enough to like get get you in the all-star game right his walk rate and strikeout rate are up from last season which explains why his average is not up despite having a better BABIP and a similar line drive to last season uh he has um a hard contact rate that is not very good and he has a 51 percent ground ball rate which is also not very good his discipline is worse across the board from last year Mm. and honestly it might be a good time to sell him and i know i'm not painting a great picture of tommy edmund right now Mm. but he's still better than jeff mcneil and i would still rather have seen him in the in the all-star game than jeff mcneil he's more productive jeff mcneil to me is like empty average that's what i think of when i think of jeff mcneil at least tommy edmund is going to get you runs and steals right but there's a lot there's a lot of stuff like all this background stuff that's that's telling me like sell 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 on tommy edmund also the all-star game is it's it's based off of the stats that you you've produced in the first half of the year right and tommy edmund has just had a better year than jeff mcneil for sure um you know, the expected stats aren't, that, that doesn't matter, right? It's just about what he's actually accomplished so far. Um, so, yeah, something like this really annoys me. Kind of surprising, too. I mean, there's always people that turn out for uh, Cardinal games, right? That that fan base is pretty aggressive uh, and pretty supportive of their own folks. So, a uh, little disappointed in you, St. Louis Cardinal faithful, that allowed this to happen. Actually, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I like. I love that it. I love that the All Star Game is based on fan voting 
but I also hate that the All-Star game is based on fan voting. Yeah, yeah. Pros and cons. Uh, National League, outfielder reserve, I thought uh, Pittsburgh outfielder Brian Reynolds should have been in there over uh, Cubs outfielder Ian Happ pre-Reynolds injury. Mm. You know, I know he got injured. He wouldn't have been able to play, but uh, I, I think he should have been in there. Um, he's another player who I think actually might be a good sell candidate for the rest of the season. His strikeout rate is higher than last year and his batting average is lower than last year. His hard hit rate is the same, but his barrel rate exit velocity and max exit velocity are all down and he's hitting more ground balls and he's chasing the ball more. So I see that as uh, a bit problematic but he is, you know, playing for Pittsburgh, who's not very good. And I wonder if he gets traded at the deadline to a team that needs outfield, like, I don't know, the Yankees. And he does better there. You know, I, I, I could be into him more if he wasn't playing in Pittsburgh. So also got the oblique injury right now too. So that's something to be concerned about, but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth with the pirates, like especially with Bednar, like they have these like cost controlled guys. And yeah, I know the, the name of the game for them is to flip people for prospects and just, you know, build depth. But if you got these guys controlled for a while, you know, you kind of, you, you're close to almost seeing a foundation, like a core group of guys in, in Pittsburgh that might be worth building around. Um, and, you know, you got Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz. Um, you know, you're close there to, to saying, hey, why don't we just, why don't we construct something around this? Um, so I don't know. Maybe they maybe they blow it up again. Maybe they they've got a group, a core group of guys now, between those three guys and Bednar. You got a lockdown, no doubt about it. Closer, which who the heck saw him coming? You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Pirates. I don't know. They may not be making deals. It's hard for me to kind of go one way or the other with that. Yeah, I. The only thing that like makes me think that he might go is he's not 22 you know yeah I think he's closer I think he's closer to like 27 or 28 I'm gonna look him up right now but you know I'm sure they're you know they're not gonna trade guys like oh yeah he's 27 right so they're not gonna trade their young guys uh he's a free he had he still has a lot of time he's arbitration eligible in 2024 he's a free agent in 2026 they might hang on to him um or they'll but, get a haul for him or the yeah they'll they'll get a good package for him but some some trend data that i'm not liking from him but yeah. still should have been in there uh american league outfield reserve i thought luis robert should have been in there over andrew benintendi and again this is pre Robert getting put on, you know, pre pre day to day, right? Pre injury designation. So Luis Robert, three thirty BABIP versus a three forty seven career BABIP. Uh, he has seen a dip in his line drive rate, so I kind of buy the the slight decrease in BABIP. His strikeout rate is down though, which is really good. 
Uh, that's a good sign for him because he is very, very bad at <laughs> swing and miss. Like he chases yeah. the ball, I think more than anybody else in baseball right now. But he looks like he's going 2020 with a 285 average, which is like top 20 type player, maybe top 15. Uh, he has a 9.1% barrel rate, which is solid, 41% hard hit rate, solid, not elite, but good. His home run to fly ball rate is actually 3% lower than his career average. So for me, I'm expecting to see more that home run pace increase the rest of the way and his contact rate is up one percent from last season despite the worst chase rate in baseball at 49.8 percent i don't know how i don't know how you hit 285 with a almost a 50 percent chase rate uh, it's it's the vlad guerrero approach i guess senior <laughs> swing at everything swing at everything and then for National League DH, I thought Brandon Drury should have been in there over uh, either of the Contreras brothers, um, maybe William more so. Uh, but uh, Philly first baseman Reese Hoskins, I thought he should have been in there over uh, William Contreras as well. So Drury, I, I was skeptical at the beginning mm -hmm. and I was like nah this isn't gonna last it's gonna be like three weeks yeah and he's still legit like he's figured it out he he has figured it out so in three seasons he's had three seasons with more than 400 plate appearances he has 339 right now he has the best walk rate out of all those seasons and he's matching his career average strikeout rate this season his BABIP is where I I would expect considering his line drive rate is at 19% not super high so I can actually see his average holding around 270 he his 11.8% uh, barrel rate best of his career 43.9% hard hit rate second best of his career he like you said he figured something out if you go back to uh, 2021, you see this jump in all this background data, hitting the ball harder, driving the ball more. Like last season, towards the end of last season, something clicked. And I think he's also benefiting from playing in Cincinnati uh, yeah. in Great American Ballpark, like getting a pretty good amount of home runs. But he's done other stuff that's helped him. He's improved his ground ball rate. His home run of fly ball rate is not like crazy high and it's consistent with improvements that he's made from year to year, that batted ball data. He has a, he also has third best chase rate of his career and the best contact rate of his career. So something's clicking with him. And if you can still trade for him in your league, you need to. And, and I have been trying so hard, so hard to get him. And the guy that has him in my league just won't do it. And I feel like I've offered, like, I feel like I've offered overpriced deals and still won't do it. So <laughs> good, good luck, but uh, definitely worth it. I, uh, I just, I'm checking out his home and away splits. Um, 
So Drury, he's batting. And like, look, most players play better at home anyway, but uh, he's hitting 310 at home and 241 on the roads. So that's 60 point difference. It's a big split right there. It's pretty big, but uh, he's got 10 homers at home and eight homers uh, away. So not, not too terrible. Um, and your at bats are pretty, just 20 some uh, 26 at bats different. Um, you know, he's, it, he looks looks pretty good man it's kind of it's 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 probably one of the more surprising guys in baseball this year oh yeah for sure every year you see one or two of these guys just kind of pop out that have been journeymen and they've played for nine different teams and you know suddenly they just found the right system and slept bought a new mattress and just sleep better at night you know (laughs) yeah i feel like they're all on the reds too (laughs) Scooter Jeanette, remember him? Oh, yeah, Scooter. Who was, they're all like, uh, oh, also man, Dietrich. Yeah. Eric Dietrich, yeah. he he had yeah. like a big year in Cincy. Oh, yeah, he was in all his home runs. He was wearing wearing a huge chain. He yeah. had all this, like, he had all this <laughs> swagger for a guy that nobody cared about for years. <laughs> and then just like that, gone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the other guy we mentioned, Hoskins, I'm actually including him in an article I'm writing for Fantasy Pros this week. So go read that. We'll, we won't talk about him here, but Hoskins, great option. Should have been in, in the uh, NL All-Star. He should have been in NL All-Star. Don't understand that one either. As far as pitching, uh, D- Dylan Cease should have been in, in the All-Star game Definitely. over over. Martin Perez, How, come on, Chicago. Like, seriously, yeah. the, the only, the only flaw with Dylan Cease is he has a walk, uh, walks per nine rate over four. That's okay. it. That's it. He's so good. Yeah. Okay. Here's Martin Perez, right? He has a low BABIP, but he also has a low line drive rate, 15%. That's really good. 51%. Ground ball rate, really good. 77% left on base rate, really good. But he's got 69% career left on base rate. He has 6% home run to fly ball rate. That's coming up. That might double the rest of the way. Seven strikeouts per nine innings. Not good. Okay. And he has a 371 XFIP and a 385 Sierra. What we are getting from Martin Perez right now is not what you're getting the rest of the way. So big time sell candidate if you have him. And one of those guys like, like, how how do you, how do, how does this happen? Right? That Dylan Cease doesn't get in the all-star game, but Marty Perez does. Yeah. And then I also think Logan Gilbert should have been in the all-star game over somebody like Paul Blackburn. And so Gilbert, his strikeout per nine rate is down about one strikeout per nine from last season and his walk rate is up slightly he's also dropped his home run per nine rate uh, from last season his left on base rate and ground ball rate are both up his home run to fly ball rate is hovering around like the low end of league average so i don't see a ton of regression coming to era um maybe a little bit because of the line drive rate being kind of high at 23%. That's probably 
going to pull his BABIP and ERA up a little bit. And I think over the course of the season, his strikeout per nine rate kind of bumps up into that nine range. Um, he limits walks. Uh, his XFIP and his Sierra are in the high three range. But I think rest of the season, kind of all things considered, he's going to sit in like the mid to low threes. Mm. And, you know, nine strikeouts per nine, mid to low three ERA, top 25 pitcher, 30 pitcher, the rest of the way maybe for me. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, kids definitely putting it together. Uh, he's he's really coming into his own, and uh, you know, the to be as young as he is and pitching this well with the control that he has, uh, you know, I think easily top thirty for the rest of the season. You can see him move up, you know, maybe twenty five here, uh, and I think the future is super bright for him. Yeah, definitely. And then just a quick thing on Paul Blackburn. He's got an ERA in the 360s right now, 376 XFIP, 404 Sierra, seven strikeouts per nine. There's no contest to me, right, that mm-hmm. he should not have been in, in the All-Star game. My only other issues with the All-Star team, Jock Peterson shouldn't have been a starter, and I know he had a good game. John Collar Stanton, I think other players were worthy of starting over him. Mm-hmm. The, those are my only other beefs. Yeah. So that's our that's our all-star snub spiel. Uh <laughs> next week we'll get into we'll talk a little bit about MLB, the MLB draft and some some prospects that we like. And we'll talk also about some fantasy baseball undrafted players who have become stars this season. So that's it for today. We'll be covering all the big news in baseball, the best players to drop an ad, streamers, and more. So make sure to subscribe and tune in so you're notified when episodes publish every Wednesday. In the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com and we'll respond. You can also read my column called By the Numbers on FantasyPros.com. I do a data deep dive each week. So if you like what we do on the podcast, you'll definitely like the column. This week, I also wrote a second half trade target article that you should look out for as well. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thanks for listening.